And welcome back to a fresh episode of Business Growth Show. I'm your host, Sam Dunning, co-owner over at webchoiceuk.com. And today I'm joined by Simon Delaney. Simon's the CEO over at Databowl. They help consumer-facing brands generate high-quality leads so they can make more sales. Simple as that. Simon, welcome to the show, sir. How's it going? Yeah, good. Thanks, Sam. Are you well? All good on this then, man. We haven't recorded a guest episode. I was just saying to you before we hit record in a while. So glad to be jumping back into it. And we've got a, a fresh topic for this show, which I'm sure is going to be massively useful for everyone tuning in as well as myself. We're going to be talking about how to improve the quality of your leads. As we know, leads are the, the lifeblood for most businesses, right? Because without leads, there's no sales. So to tee up this conversation, I'll start with a rather probably simple question for you, Simon, maybe not for, for so much for others. Why is lead generation so important? Um, well, there's two reasons, I guess, and one you've just touched on, which is um, it's making sales, right? So, um, yeah, like some companies can, uh, you know, if you're an e-commerce site, you might have 90% of your custom just by like visitors straight on there and not be collecting leads. Um, but a lot of e-commerce companies lead the data as well if they're not making sales and they can keep in touch with the prospects um and if you're not on e-commerce site i mean i don't know how else you grow really it's uh you know leads are definitely what you need and whether that's telephone numbers and personal details or email addresses or whatever it is um so that's the first thing but the second thing um is sort of more pertinent to the age that we live in which is um first party data is absolutely key so, you know, the, the death of the cookie on things like that Google's implementing, you can see the way Apple's going with the way um, people's personal data is being dealt with. And so if you are relying on data in any way, which I would say 99.99% of companies are, um, it's absolutely imperative that you start collecting first-party data, not just of your customers, but of your prospects as well. Um, and that's why it's so important. Got it. So can we just have a quick summary of what first party data really means? Yeah, well, it, it, you know what? it's one of these things where people go like there's zero party data, third party data, first party data. Yeah. Um, some other type of data, I don't know. <laughs> what I'm talking about is people's personal information and they've given you consent to contact gotcha. them via whatever channel it is they want. So whether that's um, give them a call or email them or SMS them or WhatsApp them, whatever. Um, so we're talking about a person putting their hand up and saying, I want you, Sam Dunning, or whoever it is, to contact me about your products or service. Got it. Okay. So you mentioned an interesting point. So point split splitting that into two angles, I guess, that without leads, there's there's no sales. Or without sales, you need, need leads to flow. You mentioned data as being part of that. So are you talking about kind of leads aren't just good for perhaps immediate or quite short-term sales and getting deals over the line, but also kind of harvesting that data. So we're we talking about things like maybe putting them into email lists or nurture campaigns over time as well. Is that what you mean as well? Yeah, exactly. So um, leads, I suppose, can form um, two components of your marketing or sales. So one is exactly like you said, you get a lead in, um, and you typically have this when it's uh, telephone numbers and they're going to a call center or a company's calling them. Um, 
and you call them immediately as fast as you can. Everyone knows the key, right? Like speed to lead is just 100% important. Maybe not as much with email, but with telephone numbers, if you're calling them, it is. Um, and the second is if you're collecting email addresses, um, yeah, put them into a nurturing funnel. Could be the same with SMS. Could really be the same with telephone numbers if you've got like a dialing cycle you can put people in. Um, but yeah, because the a person's data is so hard to come by, like either can be expensive and whether that's time spent writing SEO articles or um, money spent on like Facebook or Google or whatever. Sure. It's an absolute travesty if you're not nurturing or adding value or contacting that prospect over a long period of time. You can't just treat it as like a one hit wonder. Not anymore. People used to, and they still do. I'd say, you know, 90% of the companies still do. But I just think differently about it, which is um, a person and their data are becoming blurred. It's like indistinguishable. So, you know, the devices that we have, we're always on. Um, and everybody in the world is like this. You've sort of got to treat it in the same way, which is, um, you know, how would you, what would you do if a person kept walking into your shop or, uh, you know, you kept seeing someone like walking down the street, would you stop saying hello to them after a while just because they're not giving you some money? It's just, you know, think of it in that way. Yeah. Nice, nice analogy. So you, you mentioned it just now, but speed to lead really, really important. Is there, and you might not know the answer to this. I might not know. It, is, is there an ultimate speed to lead time? In, in your opinion, Simon, for example, if someone fills out a form on our website or a landing page that you think that companies should be calling them or contacting them within that you've seen? I think I, there was a study done that was quite a long time ago. Um, I think it was 2011, it might be 2009, um, where uh, I think it was from a university as well. It's like an MIT study someone went into where they showed the length of time that a lead was contacted um, and then what the conversion rates were on the back of it. So after five minutes, and that was the first increment that they worked on was five minutes. So we don't even know what like zero to one is. Um, the sales dropped, the potential to get a sale dropped by nearly, I'd have to dig this out. Yeah, I can send it to you and you can link it to this. Yeah, sure. Um, it's something like 50%. It's huge. Yeah. Um, an analogy that I use quite often on, and I'll put this on LinkedIn, I know you do similar things. Um, you get a lot more viewers than I do, so I, I might get three people look at it. But um, it's imagine you walk into a shoe shop and you see a pair of shoes, you pick it up, and you've got like a question about it. I don't know, like, um, we'll just go with my trousers, whatever the question is. How long are you going to wait for a shop assistant to come over to help you? So imagine you're just stood there looking around no one's there i mean for me personally i'd probably be yeah maybe five minutes and i just walk out i might go to the shoe shop next door or wherever it is i probably wouldn't go back and i'd probably tell my friends about it as well yeah. um leads are you know in legion they might not tell their friends about it um but they are gonna sort of just ignore it because people forget if you fill a form in and it's all very quick, right, and immediate. And that's the whole point of forms is that they're meant to be, like, relatively easy to fill in. If you don't contact them when they've just filled that in, I can guarantee you they're going to forget that they've even done it. I mean, you've um, done this, right? I do it all the time. Oh, yeah. we've, got, we've got clients all over the world. And so I get people, like, fill a form in for Databowl in Australia. Like, I, even yesterday, I think there was one. Sure. Um, I'll ring them or someone, one of the sales guys will ring them the next day. 
and they've forgotten they've even done it and they'll be like who I'm like you remember <laughs> you asked for a demo and they're like oh i think so yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah you know it's just really important and i suppose the other thing is as well that these these prospects are probably filling in the form of a couple other competitors as well right because potentially quite often yeah. that you're, not always but it's quite often you speak to them they say look we're comparing two or three companies so i guess that's where speed really comes into play and like you said with the shoe shop experience if doesn't matter what it is if you're waiting around ages to speak to a clerk to get help with a an item and they don't it probably leaves quite a sour taste in your mouth for some people so it could kind of ruin your chances of of them and then they'll talk to their friends and so on and so on so yeah a lot of lot of negatives really from from not responding to leads quick there's also uh, in addition to that study that i spoke about we've um when i used to be doing lead gen before we went into software um we used to get webhooks back or um, like FTP drops of the um, dispositions from the call center. And we found a mm. direct correlation with the speed that they were contacted. So we started to incentivize some of the call centers and stuff that we work with to actually contact leads quicker. And you, we had this thing where we could override the dialing cycle, add all the data drops in it. So dependent on the intent behind the lead, so like a premium lead with uh, bypass everything and get called immediately it just yep. massively boosted the conversion rates that's a great move that's a great move cool um and i don't want to go into this too much but when it comes to are there any basics that we need to be aware of because i know you're big on this simon when it comes to kind of storing leads securely um so whether they kind of give us a call and then we add them to our crm whether they come through a website inquiry form whatever means are there just a couple basics that we need to consider just to make sure we're kind of following best practices in terms of gdpr and storage um and not doing anything i suppose irresponsible with customer data yeah i mean it depends what sort of data we're talking about right so there's slight differences with b2b data and b2c but let's talk about b2c because um that's where you have to be more careful so if you apply that to b2b you can't go wrong anyway um, so you'll see a lot of people sending personal data via email, um, either like they're buying leads and sending it to someone else or sending it to a salesperson. It's just a big no, no, don't do it. Um, it needs to be like in an FTP or in a secure place that can be accessed by that person with a password, um, whatever else, if you're going to send it via email. Um, you see people do stuff like drop it on Google Sheets that's shared amongst several people. Again, I wouldn't do that. Um, you will also see people send um, dates to other people on SMSs. <laughs> Just don't do it. And uh, you'll see people send data via GET APIs, which is um, effectively like a, um, a URL that contains all the personal details of someone. And um, it keeps the connection open on whatever the API is sending it to but it's really easy to hack and it leaves traces on your um, browser history of all those people's personal details. Um, ah, right. so yeah, it's not a great move to do. And in terms of the storage, um, yeah, you need somewhere secure. Um, so I know AWS, um, Rackspace, all these sort of companies can uh, you know, secure your data. Gotcha, gotcha, nice one. Okay, so moving on. What are what are some of the some of the biggest mistakes, some of the biggest blunders that you've seen, Simon, that we need to steer clear of when it comes to lead gen, lead generation? Um, so one is mistaking consent for intent, and this right. is where a lot of companies fall down. So just because someone's consented for you to contact them, 
doesn't mean there's actually like they've got very much intent behind it because you can collect leads really easily right like i don't know via co-sponsor people do like a load of privacy opt-in stuff and 90 percent of the time the person who's become a lead won't even mm. know that you have their data so it's legally compliant which is just a weird thing anyway that probably needs looking into um but that person has zero intent. So if you go in like all gung ho, guns blazing, I'm going to get a sale out of this punk <laughs> person. Um, it's probably going to backfire, right? Because uh, yeah. so you, you need to um, whatever the sort of intent is is how you need to approach the the individual. Um, and so you know, either slow and steady um, for someone who's got like very little knowledge and potentially qualify them more might be the the best route which is via emails you could ask some questions um do something like that and obviously if it's uh high intent like purchasing intent go for the sale gotcha so understanding kind of i suppose how far along they are down the sales process right so how yeah how aware they are of your brand and how keen they are to actually discuss your product or service or whatever you've got to yeah and the other one would be the sort of not trying to build a relationship so it came back to the um, point we were discussing earlier about um uh not nurturing leads so right. people you know if they either can't get a sale or they're just like very gung-ho with it um in reality this person is a lead for a reason they're not ready to purchase yet so um you know you need to work on that relationship so if, even if it takes six months um there's no point in dropping that because you know it could be they convert in six months and depending on what the cpa of your product is even if it's a low ticket item so um you know 20 pounds um but if it's a high ticket like a thousand pounds why wouldn't you wait six months mm. um sorry go on yeah so on on nurturing i think that's it's quite an interesting quite a broad topic because everyone's probably got a different approach as in some people might some business might get a lead come in maybe the sales rep tries them for maybe they have an initial conversation maybe they agree to set up a secondary call maybe that never happens the customer drops off the sales yeah. rep tries them again over the space of let's say another week gets chucked in the crm forgotten about um or perhaps they run a the classic email sequence kind of do you still need help with this day one day three are you stuck under a bridge or have you been kidnapped by aliens or do you still want to, dis want to discuss the project? And maybe day five, um, should I close your file or did you still want to discuss this? That's that's a massively fast forwarded email sequence, but that's all that could come into my head at the time. Um, but are there any better ways that you've seen companies approach nurturing leads that perhaps aren't contactable initially, but then they've had success over time because they followed this, this kind of process? Well, I think there's a few things that you can do. So number one, the first thing to think is add value. Mm. So it's a bit like in B2B, right? If you follow um, the way that you and I look at B2B lead generation, which I think is kind of similar, which is why we're on this podcast, um, as in we create podcasts and you know distribute them and things. Um, what we're trying to do is actually add massive value, right? before we even know whether someone could be a customer or anything, it's just adding like massive value anyway. Sure. So the first like thing I think about with lead nurturing is you've got to think how you can add value. The second thing is it needs to be far more conversational. So rather than exactly like the sequence you gave, which is basically look at me, look at me, look at me, become a sale. Um, 
stop talking about yourself. No one gives two shits about you, as in the company. All they care about is themselves and what's keeping them awake at night. And what you've got to figure out is how can you solve that problem? Because the minute you hone in on that, um, you know, they'll start to take uh, attention. Um, the other thing is that um, people don't segment the data either. They, they, you know, they'll have like a one size fits all nurturing funnel, a bit like what you mentioned. Um, and what we found works far better is you don't have to go like mad with it, right? So create a thousand different avatars or profiles, whatever people call them. Sure. Um, but you, you know, you could stretch it to maybe five. And what you're trying to do is um, talk about the things that are relevant to them. So to give you like a quick example, it isn't B2C, but B2B. So we um, internally have our own like three-tier nurturing funnel. So it'd be like brands, lead generators, um, and uh, agencies, I think, is the other. I can't remember, but yeah, I think it's those three. And so yeah. when we send out our nurturing emails, which we just do weekly and we'll put stuff like links to the blog, we'll do different like YouTube videos and whatever else, um, we're just really trying to hone in on the things that we think are relevant to those particular categories. Um, and so once you start doing that and you can actually put people into their categories, that's how you start this like process of getting close to what's keeping them awake at night. Um, the other is the two other quick points. One is a data gathering. So um, an example would be on the email that we send out where we don't know what category someone is, we just put a button that says, what are you? Um, it'll be, you know, brand agency lead generator. They can just click it and say, thanks for letting me know. But we then add that to that particular email. As, and they get dropped in that category. But you can start collecting anything. So a classic example would be someone's come in for a test driver, they've dropped a, pro, a brochure for like a Mercedes, say. So we know that they're interested in Mercedes, but we don't know which car. So the first thing we could ask them is like, what's your favorite color car? So you could list six colors, like red, black, silver, whatever, and then use that as a data point. What's your, um, what style of car would you prefer? Sports, family, saloon, you know, truck, whatever it is. And you just keep adding this information. So you're not really then going for the sale. You're more just like, it's almost like a quiz, right? You're finding out information from them that then you can start to use to really hone in on um, the stuff that's uh, going to resonate with them. And the other point is, um, don't just keep it to one channel. So it's a, a sort of mistake that people make where they'll just email people or whatever. So if that's all you've got, it's fine, right? Like there's not really much else you could do other than as part of that uh, nurturing sequence, you could also ask them for additional data. But imagine if you then had the WhatsApp, um, so you were in contact with them, and that same person was in contact with Mercedes via WhatsApp, and they you knew they were like a Mercedes fan, you knew what car they wanted, they knew everything, and now you've got like a direct one-to-one -one conversation that you could build with them, whether that's SMS or even whether it's postal, whatever the method is, don't just stick to one channel, that's what I'd say. Yeah, 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 big big fan of the multi-channel approach. It's great point. There's, there could be many people that you keep, keep on to via email, but they just don't enjoy doing email. So if you try them, like you say, whether that's text, whether that's phone call, whether that's WhatsApp, whether that's LinkedIn, whatever channel, so if one if one's clearly not working, then move to another or move to a couple and see which mm. which resonates with them. Really like the point on um, sorry interrupt. Really like the point on kind of adding value. Chap called really good sales trainer that's been on the podcast a long time ago called Josh Braun calls it giving deposits. 
So like you say, rather than just every email, every customer interaction, phone call is, is all me, 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 this is my product, this is how great we are, just giving de- deposits, sometimes even without a call to action. So just saying, look, I thought this article might be of use or I thought this podcast episode was, would be of use or this blog or whatever it is, um, over time, that's really going to differentiate you from all these other sales reps that are just trying to pitch them. They're actually thinking, well, this person's giving me something that's actually useful. Um, mm. Chances are they'll, they'll come back to you, right? Yeah. And I mean, what this stuff that we're discussing, you know, I'd say 90% of companies in the UK don't do. So if mm. you start doing it and you do it well, you're literally going to be head and shoulders above everyone else in terms of being able to build relationships with the leads that you generate. Um, just two other quick points on um, the sort of mistakes I see people make. So another one is sure. not adding validation to the form. Um, okay. or validation on the back end. And that just works in two ways. So if it's like winky-wanky leads, like the ones we were talking about where they're just like opted in, you get a load of like incorrect details and Mickey Mouse details and everything else. Um, so you just want to validate the hell out of it um, before you start doing anything with it. But where the form's on your website or if it's a landing page or something, you tend not to get as much Mickey Mouse stuff. But what is like a massive problem is incorrectly typed details. So if yep. someone, you know, all they need to do is miss a single character out of the email address. All they need is to type one digit in the phone number wrong. And depending on what your product is, and if it's a like high purchasing intent lead, that could be thousands of pounds down the drain, literally because you don't have validation on your form. So, um, it's what I would 100% recommend doing. Validate. You don't. I wouldn't worry about first name, last name, unless you really want to get rid of like Mickey Mouse stuff, and you can put some um, like condition sets behind it and you know, reject uh, swear words and stuff like that. Um, but telephone numbers, email addresses, postal addresses, just get it validated in real time as the person's typing them in. And when you flash the warning up, um, don't just put you know, incorrect or something. You can just be like a bit nicer about it and say, you know, it looks like you've typed the wrong telephone number in, please double check it. Um, So that's one point. The other quick point is not using um, conversion principles on either landing pages or websites where you're going to be collecting someone's personal details. Um, And this is stuff like really strong, nice headline that gives immediately the benefit that you give or the problem that you solve some bullet points that are really succinct that can just draw the person's eye straight into it and they know exactly what you're doing, how you're going to help them. Um, a strong CTA headline above the form. Keep the form as simple as possible. So it could either be multi-step if you're trying to collect quite a lot of details, but nicely designed. Um, the submit button, don't ever put submit. I, I literally can't tell you the number of websites I go on there and like, oh my God, they've put submit. Um, put something that's actually like going to happen when they fill the form in, you know, like switch now or, you know, whatever the, whatever it is, like get your free thing now, whatever. I don't know what the products is. Um, Always put testimonials above the fold. It just acts like an immediate attraction to anyone coming in. It gives a great social validation and also put any um, like brands that you work with. So if you are a brand, obviously it can be difficult to put that. So you can do stuff like as seen on BBC or BBC because they advertise as seen on ITV, as seen on um, you know Financial Times, whatever the details are. Um, and if you're a lead generator or doing anything else um, where you're sort of uh, 
um, a middleman, I guess. You can just put the brands of the products that you're selling. So like an example is a guy selling boilers who was just generating leads and selling them on to, um, or boiler insurance is selling them on to um, a bunch of insurers. He can just put the brands of the boilers that he, you know, that he knows are going to get sold to them. And it just gives yeah. that, it's like an extra validation. Um, yeah. So those things, if you do all of those and do them well, um, you'll see your conversion rates rocket on your forms. Some great pointers, some really good pointers, especially on the, the landing page breakdown, as there's so many that just don't follow those basics. So that's really, really useful. Um, interesting point about Mickey Mouse leads as well, in terms of kind of like you say, whether they come for a co-sponsor form or whether there's people signing up to a webinar or people that just want to get access to an ebook or a white paper that will just chuck in any old details just to get past the email and name gate and then those will come in and then you'll probably get a, a fairly sizable percentage that have just put mickey mouse info just to get the the goodie that's behind the gate yeah and especially if you're driving um paid traffic it can be really tough and it, it's always a, a conundrum whether to like get rid of them because um you know if you start putting stuff on like the name or someone types scunthorpe in for example you need to really make sure you've got like the rules correct with swear words and stuff like that that you're looking up yeah 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 it's it's a tricky one to balance i guess especially mm. with downloadable things because you've got to kind of really think is is the value there that someone's going to give you their correct info um in terms of the actual reward that they get for giving you their data so always something you've got to balance all right with all all these these best practices in mind how can we take all this and how can we start improving the quality of the leads that we're actually generating, that we're working ourselves or that we're giving our sales team? So um, I guess it sort of comes back to some of the stuff that we were saying people do wrong. Um, but a big one for me is you need to create like high intent by behind whatever your um, like desire is with the leads. Um, so even if it's stuff like, you know, you you just want the email newsletter signups, give them, you know, all the details of the newsletter. Make sure that they're going to be engaged. People might think, well, I'm going to collect less leads. Well, tell me what the open rate of your lead emails are. So you know, you'll say that to someone, they'll go 20%. You're like, okay, so on average it's 20%. You're like, okay, so like 80% of the people aren't bothered. Like they literally, what's the point in sending emails to them? Yeah, if you break down the ones that haven't opened an email in six months, how many are there? They'd be like, oh, it's over half my database, 60% of it. You're like, okay, well, imagine you got really high intent at the beginning where you explained, you know, really clearly what the benefits of your newsletter was, everything else. Imagine you started yeah. getting open rates of 70%, 80%. And people don't think that's possible, right? Genuinely, I, I think a lot of people I speak to don't think it's possible. I get We get 70% open rates on our emails. Like we said, I send an email out or, um, no, I don't, the marketing team do. I sometimes do. I actually do it this Tuesday. I've got a 70% open rate. And it's purely because when the people are signing up, they're signing up because they want to. There's no, you know, they know exactly what they're going to get. They know what's going to involve. They know the information that they're going to um, be receiving. Um, and we try to add value and everything else. Um, and if you're trying to like generate telephone numbers to um, call to, convert um you know you've got to go high buying intent 
you can get like leads that convert at one percent where you're just buying a telephone number and ring it and there's a person that doesn't even know that you're going to be calling them i can guarantee you spending loads of money on your sales team your sales team is going to be demoralized going to be making like one sale every three hours um you're going to have a massive churn rate of staff you're going to have to be hiring 50 percent of the staff every month half of them will leave when they get their paycheck you have to get the other half in um you can have a load of pissed off contacts that are all going to tell people I've been called by X. You know, they don't treat people's data. I don't know where they got it from. You can be dealing with endless complaints. Why don't you solve all that problem? Start getting high purchasing intent leads. Qualify the lead as part of the lead generation process, not part of the sales team. Let sales people sell. Give them leads that actually convert. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that'd be around intent. Sorry, <laughs> lost. <laughs> um, all good points. Yeah. Uh, some others would be like adding validation, like we discussed, which is a mistake that we see um, people add nurture leads effectively, which is, again, we've sort of covered. Um, I think you need um, speeds, contacts, which, again, we covered um, is really important. Um, and another is, and it's more of a philosophy rather than a sort of act that you can take. But if you start to see people's data as um, like real people, so, you know, which it is, as long as you've got rid of the fake ones, um, <laughs> uh, you really start to switch how you think about contacting them, the messaging that you use, how you position your products and your service. And it comes back to this thing of adding value because it's really easy just to contact data, right? And not really add value and just try and get sales. And you just see it like tiddlywinks. It doesn't really matter. You can yeah, just take yeah. it, whatever. When you start seeing it as real people that sat there in their houses, walking down the street at work, doing you know, like you and I sat on a podcast, whatever, how are you actually going to engage those people? What is it you're going to do to make them take notice? Um, and that's really what I think people need to think about with their lead generation. Great points. Yeah, like you said, we've been going steadily through these throughout the throughout the show so far. Um, but yeah, thinking of leads as actual people is a great point because I know early in my sales career, and I'm sure I've been guilty of it when I've kind of been short of time and whatever, not thinking of leads as people. And what I, probably some of my mistakes that definitely don't do if you're tuning in is is kind of perhaps the month's going a bit slow. Perhaps you, you need to hit a target and you're, you're just contacting leads and just doing the usual spiel, really, whether you're following up on email, whether it's cool name, hope you're well, doesn't mean anything. Um just seeing if we can get this over the line or just seeing if you're ready to buy, um, just seeing how you're doing with a deal or how we're progressing or when makes sense to us to pick up. It's just pointless, really. It's it's probably just going to piss the customer off, especially if you keep doing it. Um, doesn't really add any value to either side. And it's just, just a kind of nothing email, nothing message. Um, whereas, like you say, if you actually give them something of interest or share a genuine insight or share something that's going to help them get their job done better, or they might find entertaining or interesting. It gives you, like you say, the chance to differentiate yourself rather than just sending a generic sales message that is pointless, I guess. <laughs> and the, the thing is, it's easy, right? Like that's the whole point is like it, data that isn't going to convert is easy to gather and buy and collect. Sending emails that just aren't going to resonate with anyone are easy to send because you just write anything. You're not really digging into it. Um, and ultimately it is difficult if you're really going to start making your lead generation like rocket um you know it's a bit like doing stuff 
on LinkedIn. It's just, you know, you've got to be consistent. You've got to try and add value. You're not always going to get it right, but you need to like try different things. Um, but ultimately, um, you know, if you're adding value and uh, you're respecting the person, you you will do well. Awesome. Awesome. Great way to end, Simon. So on that note, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. Really enjoyed the chat. Yeah, thank you. No worries. And do tell us more about how people can learn from you, how they can connect with you, and um, the best way to get in touch with your business. Yeah, sure. So it's simon at datable.com is my email address. Um, uh, you can go to the website, datable.com, um, or check out any of my stuff on LinkedIn, I guess. You can add to the three people uh, that like it on a consistent basis. There we go. We'll put all of that over in the, the show episodes notes, which will be available at businessgrowth.marketing. Cheers again, Simon. As always, if you enjoyed today's show, hit that subscribe button. We interview business leaders each and every week to share actionable marketing and business growth tips um, and sales tips. And with that, we should catch you on the next one. Cool.